The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I'm your host, Marissa Meyer. Thanks so much for joining me. One thing that is making me happy this week is that we finally have pumpkins growing in our garden. Uh, I will admit this has been an abysmal year for our vegetable garden. I have completely neglected it. Uh, At this point, it's pretty much just all weeds. But somehow, miraculously, the pumpkins seem to be pretty content having been neglected. Uh, And they are now running amok all over the garden. Um, And I think we have maybe like 15 or 20 small pumpkins developing in different stages. And it's so exciting. And so my girls have already picked a couple and painted them to decorate our porch. And I'm thinking we're going to have plenty to make all sorts of pumpkin desserts this year. So... Yay! The garden has not been a complete failure after all. On top of that, I am, of course, so happy to be talking to today's guest. She is a senior copywriter at the publishing house John Wiley & Sons and the author of the YA fantasy novels Tiger Queen and A Touch of Gold. The finale to the Touch of Gold duology, A Curse of Gold, just came out last week. Please welcome Annie Sullivan. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. How is life in your bunker? Life is good. Life is busy when you've got a book coming out. There's so much to do and tons of fun pre-order giveaways that I'm still mailing out and and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, no, it is. It keeps you on your toes this time of year. Oh, it definitely does. But I do love this time of year. Like you said, pumpkins are pretty exciting. I know, the fall. The fall is my favorite time of year. And so I think the next couple of months, there's going to be a lot of fall-related things that are making me happy. Yes, (laughs) I love that. Cozy sweaters and pumpkin everything and nights by the fire and hot chocolate and all of it. I'm so ready. I'm so ready to be cozy. Yes, I'm there with you. My birthday is October 29th. So like fall is like a big thing and, you know, celebrating with pumpkins and everything like that. That's right. That's right. You're almost a Halloween birthday. Almost. So close. So (laughs) close. (laughs) My girls are November 1st. So they're also right, right in there. Um, (sighs) I'm worried about Halloween this year. Like I figure we're probably not going to be able to go trick or treating. I know. I don't know. What are we going to do? I have heard people are thinking of hiding candy either in their yards or in their houses, kind of like almost like Easter eggs. Oh, so. that's a clever idea. There you go. Free tip. Free I like non-writing it. I like tip. It. I did have one uh, reader suggest that like we have, you know, our close friends and family, people that we're, we're not quarantined from, and everyone could like take a room in the house and have the girls go to door to door throughout the house. <laughs> I like that. That's idea. fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we'll see. We'll we'll try to do something to keep it fun. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. We'll all think of something. We'll make it special. I know, I know. What are you going to do? Give up on Halloween? No, oh, you can't do that. No. no. <laughs> I just <laughs> bought a costume. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I have to start by telling you, uh, Annie, I am a little mad at you. Oh, okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Because the book that I am currently working on, my working title for it was A Curse of Gold. (gasps) Oh, no. Yes. You stole it. That's not true. You totally beat me to it fair and square. But then when you're- We can share. We can share. (laughs) I don't think that's allowed. (laughs) For you, anything. No. Oh, well, thank you. 
yeah, when your publicist emailed to to inquire about having you on the show, and you know, she put you know Annie Sullivan, author of A Curse of Gold, and I was like, oh well, there goes that. Oh. Title. I'll go back to brainstorming. Go back. To I'll drawing. brainstorm with you. I'll give you all the other titles I thought of and considered. Oh, so funny. Can... Yeah, right. I know we all have a huge long list. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that I've come up with a new one that I'm also happy about. Oh, good. So okay. I'm over okay. It. We're moving on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was so funny. So funny to see that title pop up in my inbox. Um, You're like, what? <laughs> I know. And I know there's a lot of listeners because we haven't actually announced that book yet. So for those listeners who are like collecting hints and data about what is Marissa working on next. There you go. There's another, another little Big hint. I'm excited yeah. along with them. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why don't we start with you telling listeners what is uh, a touch of gold and its sequel, a curse of gold about. So a touch of gold is about the cursed daughter of King Midas who has to set out to retrieve her father's gold when it gets stolen um, because, you know, she was once turned to gold by her father as a child. So she has some lasting side effects, one of which is she can sense the objects her father turned to gold. So when they get stolen, of course, she has to be the one to go find them. And then, of course, the sequel, A Curse of Gold, follows her as she tries to break the golden curse that holds her and her father captive. And she'll have to face the trickiest gods, the world or the underworld has ever known if she wants to save her father and her kingdom. And is it a spoiler to say that the trickiest god is Dionysus? I say Dionysus. Dionysus, Dionysus, either one, I think. (laughs) Um, Definitely not a spoiler. Easily one of the best gods, right? (sighs) He's so great. I had a ton of fun researching him and just finding out all about him. Because, I mean, in so many cases, he just kind of pitched as like the drunken god or like god of like fun but I'm like well let's take that up a notch he likes chaos so let's uh see where that leads right there is more there's more beneath the surface there is there is and that's what I love to do in my books is to take you know something that you know like like Greek mythology and just give it a little off a little twist like you think you know what's happening but then there's something new added to it right and that was one thing that I was wondering um because you know it's inspired by King Midas, um, mm-hmm. the Greek myth, not really a retelling, like more, uh, what happened after. Um, and so I was curious, like at what point you clearly researched Greek mythology and used it as an inspiration. Were you very much trying to recreate the world in which the Greek myths may have existed in, or were you like, no, I have the seed of an idea I'm going to take that and now build my own fantasy world uh, around yeah. it. I really wanted to build my own fantasy world around it by taking that that heart of the Greek mythology. Um, so, you know, the Greek gods are in there. And I think that's that's helpful because you know, you know who Poseidon is, you know who Triton is, um, and you don't have to do the extra work of just creating a new uh, system of gods. Um, so, yeah, I think I really wanted to take what was there and, and play with it in a new way and take that Greek myth and just expand on it and really look at, you know, what did happen to King Midas's daughter after he turned her to gold? Because in the original myth, she's such a forgotten character. She's just a means to an end so that he realizes like, oh, it was really bad for me to ask to turn things to gold because I turned my daughter to gold. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, right. Exactly. Like, oops, my bad. I messed up on that one. Um, so, yeah, I was like, man, that's going to have some lasting side effects if your dad turned you to gold like what happens next so that's the story I really wanted to explore yeah no and I I mean I love that you know the Midas story it's one of those stories that's 
you know, very allegorical. Like it comes with this built in warning. Don't be greedy, like learn to appreciate the, the things in your life that are more valuable than gold and material wealth. And yet you've taken it and you kind of, you twisted that, that message to where, you know, our main character, Cora, at the start of the series, not only is she not interested in gold, like she's afraid of it. She's terrified of gold. She's seen the harm that can come from it. Like, is that a theme that you were, were wanting to play with or where were you wanting to take that? Cause I just thought it was so compelling the way that you did that with her. Yeah. I really wanted to focus on almost her anxiety around gold, you know, that friction that exists between her and it, because she does have some magical gold abilities, um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but I really wanted to look at, you know, what those abilities would be, how would they affect you um, and how you're raised and what you're taught about them can really impact you and what you know about the world, what you know about yourself and what you think you're capable of. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to, to almost it to be almost like a PTSD anxiety kind of reaction for her um, because of what happened to her when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I want to know because you know how when you're writing a book, you're just like so immersed in it. And as you're going about your daily life, it's impossible not to like see things in the world around you that make you think of the book, make you think of the characters. Um, You know, you're kind of seeing everything through the lens of whatever story you're working on at, at any given time. And that made me wonder, like for you, are you now, do you love gold and not, not like as a material thing, but like as an aesthetic thing, like I thought you could like have an office full of beautiful gold plated things by this point. I pretty much do. I call call it my, either way, either she loves it or she never wants to see anything gold ever again. It's a little bit of both. I mean, I have what I call my Instagram room, which is where I take a lot of my Instagram photos and have all my props. And there are so many, everything from gold skulls to gold candles, to gold coins, to gold treasure chests, to, I mean, just so many things made of gold. And I didn't even own, I think, I don't think I owned a single piece of gold clothing before I published that book. And then I became known for matching my book covers when I do appearances. <laughs> I love so that. I have like, I have like 12 gold and black dresses that are like gold sequins. I go all out, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yes, I have way too many gold props, um, more than I could possibly count. So <laughs> I guess I'm in love. And every time someone sees something that's gold, they're like, oh, we should get that for Annie. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> right? <laughs> there are worse things. To right, right. I mean, if fans want to send me gold in the mail, like I am cool with that too, guys. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, like I particularly enjoy jewelry and Spanish balloons. And <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's so funny. No, I know when Cinder first came out, suddenly everyone was giving me red shoes. Uh, oh. So I had like a bunch of red shoe Christmas ornaments and red shoe wine corks and like red shoe staplers and I like just a random collection of things that are red shoes. <laughs> yep. That's how I feel. And then, so for Tiger Queen, my, my second book, then I had all tiger print clothing and tiger <laughs> stuffed animals and all this other stuff. And yeah, people would send me like, they'd be like, look at these tiger striped shoes. And I'd be like, oh man, that heel is too high for me guys. Like I don't have right, that kind of skill. Right. We're still going for practical. <laughs> right. Right. We need to be comfortable. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Now with Tiger King and Tiger, everyone's calling um, Carol oh, Baskin gosh, Tiger yes. Queen. So that makes for very interesting Google alerts because I have Google alerts set up for the the phrase Tiger Queen, and now it's all Carol Baskin is on Dancing with the Stars, and this is happening, and that's happening, and I'm like. Okay. I should be able to capitalize on that somehow, right? Like, somehow. No kidding. There's got to be a way to connect the two. <laughs> so I still... Really, is she really she getting is. addicted to the stars? I had not heard that. Oh, yes. that's funny. Well, I mean, if you sign up for some Google alerts for Tiger Queen, you would know. I'll I mean. know all the things about <laughs> Tiger King and Carol Baskin. <laughs> might be more yes. information than I really want. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Although you think I also have Google alerts set up for a touch of gold. And you would think I would know the price of gold by now because they get all these alerts that like the price of gold has gone up. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's good to know, I guess. But yeah. Good to know for all the gold stuff that people are giving yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how much it's worth now. No. Right, right. I know. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're supposed to be warning people away from material wealth. Yes, yes, guys. <laughs> Read the book. You'll know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, okay. I really want to talk to you about villains because you have some of the creepiest <laughs> villains and some of the details, like, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to to tell people like there's a, a villain that has skulls tattooed on his eyelids and there's one that has like literally has X's carved into his skin and like it's all so visceral and dark and creepy and I loved it. So tell me, <laughs> what is your process when it comes to deciding who your villains are going to be and to create them and try to make them just as creepy and awesome as you can? Yeah, I actually, I love writing villains. I don't know what it is about them. I think it's because, I mean, I hope people think I'm a nice person. I try to be such a nice person. And then these villains are like the exact opposite. So maybe it's like letting my dark side out. Like I can finally be like, yes, let it out. Uh, Dark side. Um, No, but I think the process kind of just begins with making sure I have someone who can challenge my hero, you know, on a very tangible level, someone who is going to present a lot of problems for them. Um, so it always figures out, you know, who, who is that person who could cause them the most harm? Um, and in a touch of gold, one of those is a very awful pirate by the name of Captain Skulls, who also collects the skulls of his victims. Um, and that's something that I thought was just so incredibly creepy. Like just the kind of person you never want to see in a dark alley, you know, and he, but he's kind of so thin that he would like almost just kind of disappear in the shadows anyway. Um, so you like wouldn't even see him. So you're fine. <laughs> you're not going to see it coming. Um, I'm not sure that that really works out there. <laughs> <laughs> just go with it. Just go with it. No. <laughs> no, he definitely is very creepy, but I love just adding in those little details. And I actually am kind of sad because he had much more of a backstory in one of the original drafts that got cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always like, man, I should do like a little tiny thing about him. But I don't think anyone wants to read a really messed up backstory about a villain like that. So maybe I not. No, <laughs> readers love villains. This is what I've they learned. Do. Readers love hearing about villain backstory. And I think he would make a great one because I am so curious about him. Yes. I had this whole, like, from his childhood, everything kind of, like, worked out of, like, what was going on, which is sad because, like, I'm not a huge plotter. I'm more of a panster. Um, and so I, I just going into it, I didn't know much about him. But then he kind of appeared. And then I was like, oh, so this is why he is the way he is. And this is what happened to him as a kid and and different things like that. So I think it is all about, you know, looking at your villain. And um, I think it's Tom Hiddleston who plays Loki, another kind of favorite villain of mine. Um, 
who says that, you know, every villain is a hero in his own mind. So that's something I always like to, to take into account too, is who is that villain and what does he think he's winning? Even if it's something illegal that he's doing, maybe he thinks he's providing a good life for himself or he thinks he'd make a better leader or whatever it is that that person's after. Um, that's kind of a big motivation as well. Mm-hmm. I do question the idea that Captain Skulls would ever think that he was the hero, though. <laughs> right? That like, is true. Yeah, he's, like, I mean, fully embracing the villain thing. <laughs> he does. He does. He's a little over the edge. He's a little, like, this is who I am, and he's not going to apologize for it. Um, and if he tried to, he would just, or if you tried to make him, he would just chop off your head. <laughs> You're so. a bad man, Mr. Skulls. <laughs> he is. Be that way. <laughs> I know, I know. He's scary. But um, yeah. but villains are just, they're fun to write because they're just so evil at times. And yeah, so. No, and yeah. he really was great. And I, like you say, he's so unapologetic about mm-hmm. it. And I love that. Like, I love I love both sides, the villains that like kind of walk that line between good and evil and you're not always sure which way they're going to go. And like they can really justify things to a point that kind of messes with your own head as the reader. Um, But I also I love a villain who's just like, nope, this is what I want and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. Like there's something kind of admirable about that. (laughs) He's a little bit like that mustache twirling villain who's like, I'm going to tie you to the train tracks for no reason. Like. (laughs) He just thinks it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So you say you're not a plotter. You're more of a pantser. At what point did you know this was going to be a duology? I got to the end of the first book. Really? Yes. (laughs) I literally got to the end and I was like, oh, well, they didn't break the curse. So I guess they need to do that. So, (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Were you thinking that they would break the curse in the first one? No, I was just like, let's write and see what happens. Cause I'm a total panster. Like I try, I, I generally like know where we're going to end up. Like I have an ending scene in mind, but I don't know a lot of what's happened. Like I kind of described it if we're going on a road trip from like New York to California, I'm like, okay, well we might stop in Chicago. We're probably going to hit the bathroom at like a McDonald's over here in like Iowa or something. But like, I don't know. I don't know what else. And who knows who we're going to meet along the way. Like sometimes people just show up. Like, um, Cora's cousin, Hetty kind of just showed up on board and, um, came along for the ride. Oh, that's so great. I'm the opposite. I'm a total plotter. (sighs) So I always, I love hearing pantsers talk about it and like how their mind works and how the plot develops so organically, which to me, like, I think about doing that and my anxiety just immediately skyrockets. (laughs) Like I couldn't do it. It would drive me bonkers not knowing where things are heading. Um, And if I had a plot. Special magic that you guys have. (laughs) No, see, I think you have magic. I mean, I've tried, I've had to plot for the sequel. I had to do an outline and I was like, my publisher's like, so where's the outline for this? And I was like, what do you mean the outline? I don't have an outline until I finish the book. <laughs> so what is this outline you speak of? I know. I'm like, who does that? It's funny. <laughs> I went on tour with my friend Lauren Mancy, who wrote The Memory Thief, and she is a complete plotter. She has like color-coded post-it notes. So it'd be so fun when the kids would be like, How do you guys write? And she's like, Well, let me tell you about my post-it notes. So I'm over here like, I'll just write what I feel, see what comes out, you know. <laughs> So you had to write, your publisher made you write the outline for book two. How well did you stick to that outline? I actually did really well. I almost like, yeah, say with it exactly. So often I feel like people are like, well, they made me write an outline and then I completely ignored it. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, they made me write like three outlines because they were like, I, so here's a fun story, right? Because um, we've read A Curse of Gold. They go to a really cool island um, towards towards the end of the book. And my publisher was like, we love, we love that they go to this island, but they can't take a boat to get there. And I was like, wait, wait, can you say that again? You want them to go to an island, but not take a boat. And they're like, yeah, they took a boat in the first book. So we can't take another boat. And I was like, okay, I will work on getting to the island without a boat, (laughs) which really greatly influenced the plot a lot. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that in their heads, they're like, this has been done. We have to write that off. We cannot, can't redo that one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So kind of those funny, weird things that just sort of happen and change the whole course. Um, But yeah, so I had to rewrite the outline a couple times to get it there. Um, So that by that point, I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick to it because there's only so many ways you can get to an island without a boat. Yeah, no kidding. Here we are hang gliding before you know it. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Turn into the uh, Lord of the Rings with the eagles that show up and just, you know. Yeah, you know perfect. <laughs> that hasn't been done, right? Right? Not at all. Never been done. <laughs> Gandalf's on the back of one, Frodo's on the other. And you're like, wait, where did these guys come from? <laughs> um, so now that makes me so curious to know. So they, you as a, a you're usually a pantser. You had to write this outline. Um, how was that writing process how did it, did it make it better for you? Did you hate every minute of it? Like what, how did you feel about that? Um, I hated writing the outline because I think the thing I love about being a panster is experiencing the story along with the reader. Like I learn what's happening as they learn what's happening. And so if I'm having fun, they're having fun. If I'm like <gasps> surprised then they're going to be surprised. Um, whereas with an outline, I'm like, oh man, okay, well then this happened. So like, I just had to find little ways to make it fun, like come up with new creatures or new little side quests, little things like that, that kind of just gave a little oomph to it to be like, oh, well, wasn't expecting that. So kind of keep it interesting that way. Mm-hmm. But then the actual writing, you were like, yeah, okay, now we're back to the fun part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that made it easier to, like, get through it. <laughs> to get through it, it was so hard. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> to really, like, make it work and um, and to make it feel like, like it was fun again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So one of the lines from the first book um, that really stood out to me is when Cora is told, uh, you are not your curse. And, you know, it's obviously with Cora in this book, it's referring to a literal curse. You know, her father Mm -hmm. was cursed and that curse has now kind of passed on to her in a really uh, interesting and unique way. Um, But I feel like, like, that's one of those things that you can draw a lot of parallels on to the real world and this idea that like you can, you can change your circumstances um, and you can rise above, you know, whatever in your life, you, the hand that you've been dealt, um, which is of course also a theme that's like big in Cinderella stories. So something that I also have loved playing with uh, as a writer, what do you think that made that theme and that idea of you are not your curse. Like what was it about Mm -hmm. that theme that appealed to you? I really love the idea behind it. You know, Cora is a very unique character. She has golden skin. She's bullied in the first book. There are rumors about her. And these are things that the teenagers and maybe even adults are facing today in the real world. And so my big thing is I want readers to go into the book and meet a character who maybe is a little weak or, you know, doesn't stand up for herself or isn't as strong at first, but really who comes into her own and sort of starts to realize that the things she thought 
that set her apart, that made her her different, might actually be her biggest strengths. You know, um, like the things she was frightened of um, really could be the things that help her save her kingdom. And so I want other people to recognize that the things that maybe are holding you back or that you think are your weaknesses are the things that set you apart and make you unique. And they can help you overcome things that that you're facing in your life. So I want people to come out of the world being a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more ready, I guess, to, to face the world again and say, Hey, my favorite characters overcame bullying or anxiety or whatever it is. And maybe, maybe I can too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the whole message is like, yeah, you are not your curse. You get to choose who you want to be. And that can change. It can change right now. Every day is a new page. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that's a wonderful way to say it. And, and I agree. I mean, books, they're one of the, you know, one of the tools that we can use to kind of put ourselves into these, the shoes of other characters and be emboldened by that Mm -hmm. and be inspired by that. It's one of the most magical things about books um, and also about being a writer and being a storyteller, I feel. Oh yeah. And I think, I think that's what I love. I love stepping into a character's shoes and, and becoming that character, whether it's, you know, Cinder or, or Cress or someone else. Um, you know, I love just going into those different worlds, meeting those people um, and following their adventure and their story. And I think there's nothing better than that. And I think that's the power of, of fiction and fantasy um, is you can face big real world issues and not even call them because I mean they would never call it anxiety or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It would just be like, oh, she's afraid, she's afraid of this, you know. They don't use the terms we use. And so that's almost a way to kind of not hide the real world issues in there, but just place them in there in a context where like you pick up on them and then you realize, huh, well, maybe I do that, or maybe I can overcome that because she overcame that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that is one of the things about fantasy and sci-fi. You can kind of have this distance between the mm-hmm. real world and the story world um, that is nevertheless no less, you know, real or important. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why I love writing fantasy. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so I listened to uh, the first book, A Touch of Gold on audiobook. Uh, and I got to say, your narrator is fantastic. Oh, thank you. She's uh, British, so. <laughs> I know. I know the accent. I, like, who doesn't love listening to something with an accent? I guess <laughs> listeners who are, you know, from England will be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyday thing here. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but, but I loved it. I, it was one of those audiobooks that, like, made, had me making up more excuses to, like, what else do I have to do today? Maybe I can organize this drawer. Maybe it's time to fold these clothes, like just so I had a reason to keep listening. Um, so thank you for that. I was very Aww. productive those few days. <laughs> yes. Um, so I know everyone's, well, not everyone's, but, uh, you know, we have different experiences with with the creation of audiobooks. Um, like I had no control or was not asked or questioned at all. Uh, how about you? Like, were you involved at all in the choosing of the narrator or the creation of the audiobook? Um, not for a touch of gold or a curse of gold. Um, they just kind of like happened. Um, exactly. so Tiger Queen, I got to listen. <laughs> yeah, they just happened. They was just like one day they showed up and they're like, actually, no, I think I didn't even know they were making an audiobook until the person who was recording it tagged me on like Instagram and they're like, oh, recording this today. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> 
but I do get asked often um, when I go to events, anyone who's, who's listened to the audiobook for some reason thinks that I read it. And so they'll come up to me and they're like, I thought you were British. I'm like, oh no, no. I'm like, you listened to the audiobook, didn't you? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. That wasn't me. I wish, I wish I could do an awesome British accent, but I can't. And I'm not going to try because it sounds terrible. Yeah, no, I, I won't try either. <laughs> I should be able to do an Irish brogue, but I can't even do that one. My mom can, but I just can't. <laughs> Is your mom Irish? Uh, I mean, not really, but I mean, we have Irish heritage, so yeah, okay. maybe that's it. I don't know. I find four-leaf clovers all the time, if that helps. Like, Oh, geez. How lucky. <laughs> that's my skill, you guys. I cannot do an accent, but I can find you a four-leaf clover. So never we need all one. have a superpower. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So in addition to being a writer, you have also worked in publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're currently a copywriter at a publisher, Uh, And then you've also done editorial and publicity work. So being on the other side of things, uh, being on the the inside of the publishing (laughs) world, do you have any tips or advice that you would give to authors who are listening to this for maybe how to work with a publicist or how to reach out to publisher, maybe if they're uh, getting the ball started on their publishing journey. Like what would you tell someone who's in that position? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you don't go for an agent, then, um, don't be afraid to reach out to a publisher. If you can find the names of the acquisitions editors on LinkedIn or on a different site, or even on, you know, like, um, the publishing company's website, like it's okay to reach out to them and say, here's my proposal. Um, cause you know, we do a lot more nonfiction out at John Wiley and Sons. Um, but it's okay to reach out to them and say, here's my proposal. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the book. Um, but then make sure you follow that up with actually meeting your deadlines. We have tons of stories of authors who are like, my internet was down for four weeks and you're like, <laughs> was it, was it? <laughs> so, um, definitely do that. But, um, as far as working with like a publicist or your marketer, um, I think it's always important to remember that, you know, marketing is paid, publicity is not. Um, so one of the things you can kind of influence with publicity is, you know, write a bunch of articles, you know, on different topics. You know, we might write, you know, something on fairy tale retellings or fairy tale retellings versus reimaginings versus continuations of stories, you know, what's hot in the market right now, that kind of stuff. Um, Or even like the new Greek mythology, you know, how to take what you know and twist it. Um, Something like that. Those are all articles I either wrote or offered to write to my publicist to kind of be like, hey guys, check this out. And I would definitely say, start building your platform now. That is something that publishers are going to look for no matter what you write. But it's especially important for, um, for nonfiction, but also very important for fiction as well. And so something you can do is, you know, if you're not, especially for young adult, if you're a young adult writer out there, get on Instagram, you know, get on Twitter and start building that following, start interacting with people. And I know it can be hard. It can be intimidating. I was definitely intimidated when I got on, but you start to like, you know, learn different things, check out bookstagram, which is the Instagram corner of a book mm-hmm. world. Um, and just start looking into that and do giveaways, you know, um, have people follow you and give away books, signed books, if you can get them. I mean, obviously it's harder right now because a lot of authors are not going anywhere, um, but some different stores are offering those. So definitely look into that as ways to get people to follow you, to build your platform, um, because that'll go a long way in, in getting your foot in the door. That was all such amazing advice. Thank you. <laughs> that's like the service level. I was like, oh man, we could go like dark and deep into this. <laughs> and, you know, There's like... really a lot to be said. Um, it's not a topic that we 
touch on a whole lot in this podcast, um, but I, I have to imagine that there are some authors right now who are probably going to rewind and start taking some notes because they're <laughs> like, that was all really good things to hear. I hope so. I hope so. So A Curse of Gold is the finale of this duology. Mm-hmm. What are you working on next? I'm working on a couple new things. I'm working on a picture book. I'm looking, working on a new standalone YA novel that's going very slowly. So I'm just trying to, to work on that, but it's been, it's hard, you know, during a pandemic, you, you get tired. And like I said, I'm still working full time. So it's like trying to fit it in here, there, everywhere else between going to the apple orchard and getting our pumpkins. And <laughs> yes. sadly we don't have them in our garden like you do. So. <laughs> that was your first mistake. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Man, next year, next year, I'll have you send me some seeds and then I can, you know, have some magic Marissa Meyer pumpkins. <laughs> it hadn't even occurred to me to save the seeds from our own pumpkins. See, wow. mind blown. Good ideas. No. <laughs> you can play how that next works. year. Oh, science. <laughs> nope, I'm a writer. I don't do science. So <laughs> I, know, I know. We just this morning because we're doing the homeschooling thing. Like as oh yes. Um, and just this morning we did the uh, Mentos in the cola bottle oh, explosion. Yes. Yeah, it was exciting. And it's like then I'm trying to sort of kind of explain why this happens and I'm like I don't know kids science (laughs) it's just cool (laughs) right you're like there's some sort of reaction and something happened and I don't don't know (laughs) chemical carbonation blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) just use some really big words and then they'll be like okay cool and they'll run off and you'll be like phew I got it (laughs) mom is so smart how does she do all these things Okay, um, we are going to wrap this up with our Happy Writer Lightning Round. Okay. What book makes you happy? If I say Cinder, is it like awful? No, I love Cinder. <laughs> Cinder is amazing. Although, oh, Cress, maybe Cress. Um, but I also love Frostblood by Ellie Blake, Caraval by Stephanie Garber. Um, oh, man, I don't even know. So many. Meg Cabot, huge fan of hers. I love Big Cabot too. Ah, She's from Indiana where I'm from. So I like to pretend that we're like going to be friends someday. Right, right. Totally. (laughs) She's probably like, don't stalk me. (laughs) If you had King Midas's touch, what is the first thing you would turn to gold? Ooh, um, probably like a rock. Cause I'd be like, is this working? Let's just try it. Let's, let's find out if this works. (laughs) That was a very practical answer. (laughs) What do you do to celebrate an accomplishment? I eat cake and pizza. <laughs> Too much of it. How do you fill the creative well? Ooh, I um, try to take breaks, try to relax, go for long walks. And those really help me as well. Or watch good movies or read good books to really get my creative juices flowing. What advice would you give to help someone become a happier writer? I would say trust yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. This can be a very um, hard business, a very lonely business. Um, Oftentimes your family may not understand or be supportive, or they might say, hey, you've been trying really long time to get an agent or whatever, Um, but don't give up. That would be my biggest piece of advice is because it just takes one yes, either from an agent or from an editor. Um, so just keep going and keep believing in yourself. It took me a hundred different, you know, rejections from, from agents to find an agent. So please keep going. Um, 
and just know that you have it within you. And it's the ones who keep going, who don't give up, who, who get a deal and a book published. So I believe in you guys. So keep going. Me too. Me too. <laughs> the writers out there, you can do this. <laughs> Lastly, where can people find you? Oh yeah. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at A-N-N-S-U-L-L-I-V-A or just like search author Annie Sullivan. I'll come up. I'm also on Facebook again, just search author Annie Sullivan. You can find me on my website, anniesullivanauthor.com. And there's a contact form there that comes directly to me. So you're always welcome to reach out. I love talking with fans or readers, even just want to talk about books. We can fangirl about Cinder because, you know, I love that one, obviously. (laughs) Um, seriously, like I will write you back if you write me bad Cinder because love it so much. So it's so funny. Well, there you go, guys. <laughs> good, good. We did it. No. <laughs> Annie, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Readers, be sure to check out A Touch of Gold and its sequel, A Curse of Gold, which just came out last week. Of course, we always encourage you to support your local indie bookstore if you can. But if you don't have a local indie, you can also check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. If you're enjoying these conversations, we would love it if you subscribed and helped us spread the word to other readers and writers. You can find us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer Author and at Happy Writer Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy and cozy in your bunkers. And whatever life throws at you today, I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier. <laughs>